Welcome back to Conspiracy Club. I am your host for this journey, Emir. And I am joined by the Pippin to my Michael Jordan. Tom, say hello to the people. What up? You know, I always thought Pippin was just like, you know, low-key better than Jordan. <sighs> if you ask him that, he would say he would say a lot right now if you ask Scotty Pippen. <laughs> I've never seen a man more upset in my life than Scotty Pippen about being second to Michael Jordan. And it was I know, I mean it's if you're playing with Jordan, you just gotta be like, I'm the best number two. Yeah, but, but okay, I'm not number one. No, it they this only happened because of the last dance. That's a whole different discussion. But I mean, straight up, he's only mad because Jordan kinda said like he was acting like a bitch sometimes. Which he was, <laughs> like he was doing that. When Jordan left for that first retirement, he was like, Oh, they didn't pass me the ball, so I was all upset and I didn't come up for the play because they want to give it to Ku Coach. Like Come on, dude. Grow up. Grow a pair. And Michael Jordan's son is fucking his ex-wife. So it's you know it's <laughs> there's a reason. There's a few, but Mike. So he's got some. Yeah, he's got a reason. He does, feeling. but he shouldn't be like. And without Jordan, Scottie Pippen is in top fifty. Like he's not known. He's not noticeable. He's okay. Scotty. Right. All right. Speaking of Jordan, this episode that I'm bringing to you all is another special one to me because I'm getting to talk about the father of the greatest basketball player of all time, debatably. LeBron fans, please relax. Put the phone down. This isn't a GOAT debate. This is the story of a life that was taken before it got to reach a proper conclusion. In this episode, we're discussing the death of James Raymond Jordan Sr., the father of the Jordan family. So before we slam dunk into this story, Tom, who do you think the goat of basketball is? I think Jordan. Still. Okay, I I didn't know if you were gonna come out. Some people go like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is that guy. Like, well, I I do think Kareem is like really good. I really like him a lot as a player. Yeah, but he's like number yeah. three. He's got to yeah, be. Yeah, he's one of those like for me, it's a top three answer. Whoever you choose, I don't care as long as it's Michael Jordan, LeBron James, or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I truthfully do not care which one you choose, but pick a name. Well, it's like, it's like that people that say Will, and it's like, well, he played basketball when nobody else knew how, so of course he was dropping 70. Also, he's a loser. He lost, <laughs> like, legit a good... There's a reason why Bill Russell has, like, 12 of those. And it was like, he could have won some of those games, but he lost when it mattered. So he was just a world-class loser. That's why I don't, I don't include him. And he, and he hated black people. But anyway... Moving on, let's slam dunk into this story. James Raymond Jordan was born in Wallace, North Carolina on July 31st, 1936. He met his wife, Dolores Peoples, at a basketball game while attending Charity High School in North Carolina. When they met, Ray told Dolores that he would marry her one day, which her father did not approve of. But during that time, after graduating high school, Ray did what all the fresh 18-year-olds did at that time, and he joined the airport, where he was stationed in San Antonio, Texas. He missed Dolores so much that the two made the prophecy that he foretold earlier come true when the two married after he was stationed in Virginia. The couple's first child, James Ronald, also known as Ronnie Jr., was born. They then moved in with Ray's parents, and Ray left the Air Force to get a new job at a textile mill in Wallace, North Carolina, in order to be closer to his growing family, which had now grown to three following the births of Dolores and Larry. This is around the time when they built their first family home across from Ray's parents. This made Ray begin to look towards 
creating a better life for himself and his children, which led the Jordans to pack their bags and move to Brooklyn, New York, in order for Ray to attend a trade school on behalf of the GI Bill to learn how to properly work with the hydraulic equipment on planes. During this time, Michael Jeffrey Jordan was born on February 17, 1963, as the fourth child of the Jordan Pack. Since New York began to become a dangerous place to live, the Jordans moved back to North Carolina, where the final Jordan child would be born to the couple, the youngest, Rosalind. Following this day, they decided to settle in Wilmington, North Carolina. So they're moving all over the place when they're young. Jordan's all over the world. He's, well, not Jordan, but uh, the first one. Let's, let's go Ronnie Jr. He's all over the place. He's, you know, one second he's here, and the next second he's in Brooklyn, and now he's back. But yeah, they had four kids in a pretty quick time space. Like, it was pretty mm-hmm. rapid. Like, you know, uh, one thing you can say about Raymond, he was... He was in there. And uh, <laughs> what happened as well. Uh, yeah, so they did that. Came back. He uh, also, I thought was just weird that I wanted to just bring up before I moved on to the next segment. His bag is crazy. To go up to a woman and say, I'm going to marry you one day. Today, that wouldn't work. That's not happening. That's not happening today. That only can happen that, in the 30s. That's like that 19s, whatever, 60s. That, <laughs> What, what year was, was this when he started? That was 1950s. So that we're in the 50s. Oh, yeah. That's some like 1950s race. Yeah, right that there. you can say that back then. If I walked up to the girl and said, I'm going to marry you one day, she'd be like, are you a predator? <laughs> like, what is... She'd be like, I'm already yeah, calling one. I don't feel safe. I'm going to cross the road. Please don't cross it as well. Yeah. I think they say the same thing to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, you just got a mustache right now. And my bald yeah. with a mustache, so they'd probably be like, "Are you a cop?" And then they would come. Yeah, I would. I would think cop. I would go cop immediately, <laughs> and then maybe I'd go down a list. I'd go cop, Klansman, third one. I don't know, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Maybe you don't give off the energy, though. You know, you still have like a. You know, I might surf on the weekends. Energy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll take it, it works. It works. So. So wait, so he was the which uh he was which child? He was the f- first Michael one? Jordan? Fourth. He was the fourth. Yeah, there's okay. Ronnie, Larry, uh Dolores I didn't want to call her Dolores Jr. because that's just I never met a girl named like Cynthia Jr. It's always like eh. But yeah, Dolores and then there was uh Michael as fourth in New York. He was born in New York technically. Wait, which one was you said there was Rosalind too? She's the last one. Oh, yeah, okay, she's the gotcha. youngest. So when he was how old when they left New York? Uh, I think he might have been. I want to say he was like six. Like he was like still kind of youngish. Like he was in that. Yeah, okay. So I mean, some New Yorkers try to claim him, but like, really, can you? You know what I'm saying? He's a North Carolina right. guy. I imagine also like basketball looks a lot different playing in New oh, York. Yeah than it does playing in North Carolina. Oh, by far. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit more aggressive, I guess I would say, in New York. I feel like... You get some more street Yeah, ball. it's some more... Uh, why There's a more chances in North Carolina. I don't know. I'm not going to disrespect North Carolina and say, oh, they don't be balling, but like... Well, we look at the Hornets. Yeah, like, what am I going to say? Christian Leitner? Like, <laughs> he's such a baller. <laughs> yeah, like, no. But... Growing up, Ray and Michael were joined at the hip. Michael constantly mirrored his father in a lot of ways, even smaller ones like the way his father would stick his tongue out 
when he was focused on something, which Michael would soon adopt. Michael did everything to be like his father, including the selection of sport at the time, which was not basketball as some would believe. It was baseball that first caught the attention of Michael since it was his father's favorite sport. This will come up later as we know when Michael retires the first time from the NBA. However, when Michael began to succeed in basketball to the level he did, his father then became an integral figure and member of Michael Jordan's basketball entourage that was at every game. He claimed that he was Michael's number one fan, which was probably true. Following the win of his third straight NBA title in 1993, his father suggested that Mike leave basketball and go give baseball a try finally. But little did his father know, he would not ever get to see his son play any sport ever again. At least not in our world, depending on your beliefs. You might think he went up there to have it be sorry, you know? Wow. So how, how, Michael Jordan was how far into his career at this after point? After the third ring. Literally, he dies wow, okay. months later after this uh, third ring. Well, he, at least he got to see some. He got to see the first, uh, the first three P. Yeah, yeah, he got to see the first three. So I think he can rest easy. I could rest easy off of that. My son has three, three championships in a, in a row. You would not. I would be the most ignorant dude of all time if my kid had three championships in a row <laughs> in the NBA. In the row, like right over some time is cool, but like three in a row for like a good. Three year stretch, everybody just knew. Oh, Mike's winning it. Fuck, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would be <laughs> yeah. the worst man ever. They would hate me. Right. Egregious. <laughs> but yeah. All right. One month later, after being the round mound of rebound, Charles Barkley and the Suns in the 1993 NBA Finals, James Ray Jordan leaves his home in his red Lexus SC400 that was gifted to him by his son to attend a friend's funeral back in Wilmington, North Carolina. By this point, the parents had moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. His plan was to attend the funeral, then drive back home to Charlotte, then hop on a plane to Chicago. However, he stayed to visit with friends well into the night like some do after a funeral, and then he hit the road back to Charlotte after midnight. James had a three and a half hour drive to make in order to catch a flight to Chicago the following day, but he got tired from being on the road so late. So around an hour until his drive, he pulled over his Lexus to the parking lot of a Quality Inn, which most believe, in all honesty, he probably stopped on the side of the highway but had his car moved to the Quality Inn later. But this occurred on the intersection of US 74 and I-95 south on Lumberton, North Carolina. His beautiful red Lexus attracted the attention of two local men, Daniel Green and Larry Demery, who decided to take the car and everything inside by completing an armed robbery. At some point during the robbery, one of the two men fired a single gunshot into the chest of James Jordan, killing him. At this point, the two men searched the car looking for anything valuable in the vehicle. They then located two of MJ's three championship rings that he had given to his father. And by doing so, they realized they really fucked up. These two idiots had just killed the most popular man in the world's father. Second to maybe Michael Jackson, and that's it. So what do you do in a situation like this? If, if you're the, the robber, robber, you just you're going through the stuff. You pull out two of the three championship rings, and you're like, "Oh shit, I just killed Michael Jordan's dad." I mean, I think you're you're just done. I leave everything, run away, start a new life. I mean, when you that feels like those type of crimes that you get caught, put in jail, and then everybody in jail is like, "Yeah, yeah, you did Michael." Yeah, like that? yeah, I, that's one of those ones where. 
you got to think like the uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm theme song plays. Like when she, like, oh, yeah. oh. like it's one of those things where first off, the James Jordan is wild for pulling onto the side of the road to like that. I always never, I never understood that. Especially back then where it was like so easy to kill a guy. I mean, it's easy now, but it's like back then you could do it. And then like, it was a little bit of time in between. I could never, I could never, you're not going to catch me. You're not going to set me up that way. I feel like in a red Lexus. Come on. So do they know like the sequence of events? He just pulled over to rest there and then they should, they like walked off on his car and were yeah, like, so we're taking everything or so like, did they open up the doors? I would think, like, if I'm pulling over on the side of the road, I'm locking the doors, and as soon as someone walks up, I'm like, see ya. Yeah, that's the thing. There is no, like, concrete, because, like, there's no, like, real cameras or anything back then, so there's no concrete what happened. Like, this happened, this happened, this happened. This is all, like, assumption and what is later told by people involved. That, you know, they pull it over, they get to the car, they see him in there, and then they go, huh, this is like, well, they see this car. And they're like, oh, I want this. They get him. They accidentally, they say, one of them says, I accidentally shot him. But it's going to come up later on. So he gets shot in the chest, dies straight up. And then they take the car. Well, I guess James was used to a different kind of shooter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. In this case, yeah, he was. So I'll tell you what they did. This is what they decided to do. They decided to take the car and dump James Jordan's body into a gum swamp in McColl, South Carolina. The family searched for him privately for three weeks before going to the police because of the media circus that they knew it would cause, hoping they could find him before having to report it. Eight days after his murder, his car is found in Fayetteville, North Carolina without James in the vehicle. However, 11 days after the murder, James' body was found decomposing in the swamp by a local fisherman. Police were unable to identify him at first, so the body was not brought to the Jordan family's attention. Finally, 22 days after he went missing, the body was identified using a dental record, but it had already been cremated as a John Doe before it was identified. So James Jordan had officially been declared dead. So they, uh, what they did was, after they killed him, they got in panic mode and they just put the body in the car and they drove to the swamp. And they were like, all right, we could just throw him out here. And, like, they just threw him in the swamp. And then they got back in the car and they went on the road and just took the car. And they said, well, Mike said that they didn't want to tell the police immediately. Because they just thought that the dad was just, like, out and didn't want to come home type of thing. So they were, like, thinking he would be calling people around and saying, like, yo, what's going on? Or, like, can I come crash there for a bit? They just kind of thought... Okay, maybe he's out. Uh, I'm not going to call the cops or none because this is going to cause a huge problem. Like, I mean, the headlines would have been gigantic at that point. Father of Michael Jordan, gone, missing. Is it hookers? You know what I'm saying? It would have been crazy. So he was like, all right, we'll just search behind the scenes for a bit and then we'll see what happens. But then they found his car and they were like, oh, this ain't good. So what did they do with the car and the rings? So the ring, the rings I'm going to mention in a second. The car gets okay. dumped. Like they just dumped the car. And uh, 
they find it, like I said, they found his body, so they cremate him without really, they didn't know who he was, which, you know, I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know what you can say about that, but I think you probably should have attempted to get the dental records first and then, you know, do a search before just cream or getting rid of a buddy. But this is back in, right. back in the day, I guess. I guess they said, ah, it's been 30 days. Fuck them. <laughs> well, here's all, another crazy thing that's like less uh, related to this story specifically. This is the third story in like our last several episodes that has included Fayetteville, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Because it, it came up in the solder one and it came up in the um, the train the yeah. train derailment yeah. one. And what's going on down Adding there? to it, this is the second time that the police just did a bad job because you saw he got shot. It's a criminal case. Wouldn't you want to keep the body? Yeah. So was the body so decomposed, by the way, that they were just like, we can't even. Yeah, they do couldn't recognize him. I guess three weeks. Yeah. But they couldn't tell, like, there's a gunshot wound here, even, I guess. I mean, they could clearly tell there was a gunshot wound because of the. They, oh, they, so they could. And they were just like, that's yeah, crazy, the... though. They were like, wow, this black guy shot in the chest, the same location that maybe Michael Jordan's dad was at and went missing in. John I'm just Jones. saying, North Carolina, they, uh, uh, you know, they probably said another one. Burn them. <laughs> burn them. Deal with this every day. So, yeah, they just burned them and kept it moving. And then they found out it was uh, Mike's dad. And they're like, oh, that's Mike's dad. Fuck. Uh, yeah, I love those cases where the police just like absolutely butcher oh every, yeah every step every step of it and so i'm amazed that they even figured out ever that it was him oh yeah well it's gonna get deeper but that comes on later on in the conspiracy aspect of it okay but before we get into the conspiracy aspect of the story we'll spend some time getting to know the murderers of james jordan daniel green and larry demery Green and Demery were lifelong friends in Lumberton, North Carolina, whose lives took a turn when they decided to go down this path of crime. At that point, the two kids were on a crime spree, which got increasingly violent before the death of James. Before dumping the red Lexus, the two men made about three dozen phone calls using the phone within the Lexus. Yes, cars used to have full-size phones with the wires in them if you were rich. They used that phone over a four-day period to make calls to their friends and family. This made the case almost open and shut, but if that wasn't enough, Daniel Green's dumbass decides to make a rap video while wearing the stolen jewelry from the car. So two of the three rings were used in a rap video. This along with the other robberies that they had committed before the crime led Demery to make their wise move of pleading guilty and testifying against Daniel Green at the trial. Demery at the time says that the two planned to rob unsuspecting tourists in the area where they spotted the Lexus. Demery then says that Green began to desire the car, so their idea was to tie up the driver, leave him on the side of the road, but unfortunately James woke up during that situation and Green shot him without hesitation, according to Demery. Green's lawyers disputed this, but in the end, it did not matter because both men were sentenced to life in prison for first-degree murder while claiming the other was the killer. 
This led Michael Jordan to retire from the game of basketball and then go play baseball to help make his dad's dream come true. He then signed with the Birmingham Barons, which where he made many mistakes and was criticized by it, but constantly made improvements until the baseball strike happened. This caused him to return to the game of basketball and the rest is history. But what if that's not really why? What if that's not why? What if what if what if Green is correct? And and Demory is lying. But, but before we get into that aspect, what are you thinking right now? What are you thinking about how they got caught? Uh Demory snitching, like what what's your mindset? Are you shocked they were caught? I, I, I'm a little surprised at their like oppositional logic they have where they're like they're going through the robbery, they kill him. They find their rings. They're like, oh, no, this is Michael Jordan's dad. Dump his body. We mm-hmm. got to get out of here. And then are apparently like, oh, my God, we made a mistake. I'm only going to use the car phone over four days and, like, show off the rings that we found. Like, how panicked were they? They panicked for, like, one second. And they were like, we're going to get a lot of cred for, with these rings. No, but, though. like, all the way to the start, his idea was to just come up and toss somebody up. <laughs> what is this nineteen? What has that ever worked? And thought he wasn't gonna wake up, so then he woke up. He's like, "Oh, I had to shoot him, bro. I shot him. Just, just shoots him." And was like, "Fuck!" And there's actual, like, there's literally footage. That's how crazy this is. This is back in the day. They used a camera and recorded them with these rings on, talking shit, and they used it in the trial. I'm like, "Bro, what are you doing? Like, what are you what?" It's not like a time when everybody has a no. phone and they can whip out and just like record, like send a Snapchat. They like fully had like they a took the leap or and they went and got an actual camera. And he's sitting there. And it's a video of him sitting there with his leg up on like a, a chair or something. He just rapping with the rings like this. Does he have bars oh, though? Nah. He clearly in jail. The only bars he got some fucking ones that slide. <laughs> he ain't got. <laughs> he ain't got no rap ones. I mean, he might now. Maybe he's been rapping to get out of you know. You know how they get down in there. <laughs> Only bars he got is that soap. He better not drop him. Oh. He better not drop him. Oh, no. <laughs> but so this this is why Mike says he retired the first time. He said, "I." So wait, what's the reason that he gave for for why they snitched? Oh. They said they snitched was because basically they knew it was like a open and shut. And at first, Green was like, don't talk. And Demery was like, dog, we going to jail. So I'm going to just, I'm going to say it. So he did. You know what a person do. I'm going to be honest with you. You know what the cops did. The cops said, look, you might, you might be able to, we might be able to save you if you tell us what happened. And he told them what happened, but they still both got life. <laughs> so, so it didn't. That's it really Because that's what I was going to say is that he didn't even get no, anything out of it. No, he just got life in prison and <laughs> labeled a snitch in jail. Like, that's all he got. He got nothing out of it but life in prison and then being a snitch. Not only not only are you a snitch, you also killed Michael Jordan's yeah. dad. I do not think he was making But he said, I ain't do it. It was the other dude. He shot him. I was just there. <laughs> I was. I was holding yeah, the rope. Like we were, our whole idea was robbing people the whole week. And we said, all right, we're going to see this Lexus. We want the Lexus. He shot him. 
I'm sitting there with the rope in my hand, like, whoa, what are you doing? Then I saw the rings, and we said, well, shit, we might as well. <laughs> we might as well do a little rap video. That's street cred. <laughs> Terrible. That's hilarious. Can you can you find the video? Yes, yeah, it was used in the documentary later on. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm, the, I'm, I'm so tempted to clip it into this, but we'll see. See how the people feel if he has bars. I'll clip it in. If y'all feel like he okay. got bars, let me know. I don't. Besides <laughs> bars of soap, that's all he has to me. <laughs> but. All right. So look, I tried. This is a post edit me talking to you all. I tried to find him rapping. I couldn't find him rapping, so instead, I feel like I'm going to just edit in a rap here, and you all let me know if this is good rap bars, if it's not. The the rap bars I chose for this section is Puff Daddy, Diddy, Love, whatever he's going by today. This is him rapping way back in the day. You let me know how you feel about these bars. What was that right? Huh? Huh? Did you like it? Did you like that? Like Diddy rapping like a Jamaican for no reason over a random reggae song back in the day in the 90s? Did you enjoy that? I enjoyed it personally. If you did enjoy it, let us know at the Instagram or wherever you want to let us know at. You can let us, you know, get a voicemail at Spotify or, or hit us up at Tommy Mirror on Instagram. Tell us how you felt about Diddy's Jamaican bars. All right, back to the show. Well, also, I'll throw in there, too. So the story is that Michael Jordan retires from basketball because his dad dies. He wants to make him proud or happy or whatever by playing baseball. And he's not very good at baseball, but it's like, that's kind of an abrupt change in your life, first of all. Like, you like baseball, but you're not a professional baseball player. Basically, you're signed because yes. you're really popular. And you're not going to strike out every single time. Um, but it's like, are you expected to succeed during that kind of change? And also, when you're dealing with the weight of, like, making your dead dad I mean, proud? that... And it was like... For me, it was crazy because I think he... If I'm correct, I think the Birmingham Barons are like like a triple A. Like they might be double A, like they might be like they're the farm system for sure for the uh this yeah, for the minor, minor league. league. Yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. And it was just weird that like this was like a huge media thing. Like it makes sense that it was, but like people was like, get him the fuck out of the game of baseball. And I was like, Whoa. Like, like <laughs> I get it. Like this is the peak of this is baseball's peak. No offense to baseball, but all offense to baseball. This is their peak. Right. So I understand, but I also don't. Like, they need as many eyes as possible on this dying sport. I mean, I'm sure he sold it, tickets. Yeah, to the Birmingham Barons, he definitely did. They probably were like, y'all, shut up. We need him. Mike, we need you. Please stay. I got his uh, I got his White Sox so, jersey. The, the, yeah, dude. Oh, really? They're like this guy thinks that he's yeah Jackson. yeah literally get him it, out of here. He think he Bo. He think he uh cause okay Bo's doing this at the same time and uh what's my man's name uh uh Prime uh 
Yeah, Dion oh, yeah, was doing Dion. it too. Like they're acting like Dion wasn't going to Braves games. He was playing major league. Like he was going to Brave games and then oh, like yeah. the Falcons games back to back. Like they're acting like nobody could do this. But they're like football players, okay. These basketball guys though, get the fuck out of here. Like I don't understand <laughs> the anchor. It is kind of strange. Maybe just because he yeah. wasn't very good. If he was like amazing, they would have been like. I think All right. if I remember, he was rough at first, but then people said like he was slowly getting better and better. Like they do a thirty for thirty on this. It's gonna come up later called uh, Jordan rides the bus, and he slowly gets better and better at baseball. But by that time, they were like, then the baseball strike happens where they like uh, the players are wanting more money, so they do the lockout. And so while he was at the lockout, he was like. He, I over on the Bulls side of things, the Bulls were still trying to win a championship without him. Like Scotty was trying to prove that it was his team, and he was in the MVP votes, but he lost uh, the first time to I forgot. I think he lost to the Knicks, and then I remember they came back when Jordan comes back the following year. He was like, it was towards the end of the year. He was like, all right, I'm coming back, but I'm a new Mike because I remember he wore the number forty five, and uh, yeah. He he was not. I mean, they lost to the uh, Magic in the finals, but conference finals. But well, no, ring. not that time, not that time. But that was when Scotty Pippen bitch ass sat out that game because the year before when they lost uh, to the Knicks because he was all like, "Oh, they want Tony Kukoc to get the ball, but not me to take the last shot. That's some bullshit. I'm out of here." He a, he a pussy man. Fuck this. I also think it's funny that, uh, like that this his baseball career is like, you know, famous for being what it is, and then like Space Jam comes around and they're like, we're definitely including oh, yeah. this baseball yeah. player in here. Yeah, that's how they start that movie. That then they just totally gloss over like the circumstances yep. of I, it and okay. everything else. I like it as a Jordan fan. I like how, as fans, we just completely erase certain parts of his career. It's like that baseball time mm-hmm. erased. The magic, or not magic, the wizard years completely erased. You don't get anyone to talk about him on the wizard. It's just outstanding. But <laughs> I'm going to get into what happened to the guys. Like, where are they now? Like, over used to do. Since Demery snitched first, he got the first chance at getting parole in August 2013, but was denied. He tried again in 2016 and was denied a second time, but as its saying goes, third time's the charm, which he was granted and will be released on August 6, 2023. Green, on the other hand, has maintained that he was not the shooter, but he did rob James. Basically, he's blaming it on Demery. He tried for an appeal in 2019, but was rejected. He's still in the Lumberton Correctional Institution till this day. Jordan, on the other hand, was asked by Oprah three months after the murder, if he would like to meet the killers to see their modes, why, or for an apology. And he said no, since he knew that any answer given would be meaningless, which is correct in the long run. However, depending on who you ask, what if there's a deeper reason to why he doesn't want to ask? What if I told you that there were conspiracies saying that his father's death was not an accident, but it was a warning or the cause of Jordan's inner demons? This is what we are going to discuss after we get some final thoughts on this situation for our good brother Thomas. So what are, you, what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts are, it makes sense. Like, it's not, if they, 
like killed him and it was like super shrouded in, in mystery they weren't like flaunting they didn't like steal anything and flaunt the rings and all that kind of stuff i'd be like maybe it would be worth it mm-hmm. like i don't understand if jordan did want to talk to them to be like why it feels pretty open and yeah. shut like you said before that they 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 stumbled on this guy they wanted to rob didn't realize it was his dad what are you going to get out yeah. of that just probably frustration and anger, and I'm sure he wanted to move on. He not with like everything. me. He not built like me for real. I'd have paid somebody to do something <laughs> there. <laughs> they they would have cost them. Somebody would have got some money on their books, dude. Commissaries would have been filled. I believe. That's a good point because yeah. obviously he had the money to to make well, something happen. Ah, uh-huh. oh. so this conspiracy comes from many people around mafia circles. And sports circles, but it involves Michael Jordan's huge gambling addiction. Now, as we saw in the ESPN and Netflix documentary, The Last Dance, Michael Jordan was a gigantic gambling addict. I mean, he gambled on any and everything. As we saw in the doc, he was even gambling on small things such as penny tossing in the locker room. And on numerous occasions, was seen at the casino after a big game. One example comes from a time when the Bulls were in Portland and Michael made a bet with his teammates that his luggage would come out first before everyone else's for $100. Since the teammates realized that they were in a public airport, they thought there was no chance it would come out first, so nine players took the bet. Well, what they didn't know is that Mike bribed the baggage handler, so his bags came out first. (laughs) (laughs) This is the type of man that Michael Jordan is. And well, it has also been said that Jordan gambled with many men in the mafia. He was also known to rack up major debts that he did not always pay. During the Eastern Conference Finals in 1993 against the Knicks the night before a game, Jordan checked out of his hotel at 11.02 p.m. and was seen at Atlantic City Casino as late as 2.30 a.m. before he returned to New York and got up for the mid-morning shoot-around 10 hours before the game, which they later lost. For those who do not know, Atlantic City on a good day is two hours from Madison Square Garden when the Knicks play. He had to be there for a mid-morning shoot-around at around 5. So yeah, he had no rest. That means he left the place at 2.30 a.m., drove two hours on a good day, and got there at 4, and then went to do mid-morning shoot-around. He was also said to have lost $5,000 that night. This led to the NBA launching a full-fledged investigation into Jordan's gambling in the summer of 1993 the investigation focused on three major situations which i'm going to get into after this so michael draws a gambling man. that's bad hilarious. gambling uh yeah. the one with the the teammates dog we would have had to square up we would have like i don't know what they were thinking i don't know how do you bet? Like, I don't even know how you bribe those guys. Like, I thought about that for a while. I know. Where do you see them? Like, <laughs> where does he question. see the baggage claim? Yeah. How much? What did he bribe? Yeah, them it, it, like, it wasn't like, here's a 50. Make sure my bag come out first. Because. That's like the craziest, like, most absurd, like, bet to make, too. Like, that's how deep you're in. You're like. I'm making bets on yeah. everything. Oh, man. Literally There's an outstanding moment in the documentary where they're talking like Michael Jordan used to bet at the back of the bus. Like he used to play cards with like some of the players who were making more money. They would bet like 25000 And then there was players at the front of the bus who would only bet like maybe $5 a dollar. 
after Mike would beat the people in the back of the bus, he would go to the front of the bus and bet the five dollars against those people. He was he was betting against <laughs> everyone. Everything was he literally the bet in the documentary is they're throwing pennies at the ball to see like which one lands on like the heads or something like that. It was something as stupid as that. And they were betting he was betting the security guard. Like, oh my gosh. This man had a problem. Was he good? Was he like a good gambler? Yes and no. <laughs> and it got to the point where, so this is why a lot of people think that he actually got suspended instead of getting like that retirement. Because he retires in 93, right when the investigation is going. But I'm going to tell you the three situations that the investigation focused. The investigation focused on three major situations. One was a $57,000 check from Michael Jordan written to James Slim Bueller, who was a golf shop owner by day and drug mule by night. This check was seized by police during a raid of Bueller's properties. Michael claimed it was a loan, which is weird anyway, but that check was then used in federal court against Bueller, who led Jordan to tell the truth, which was that the check was used to cover up debts that Mike had from gambling. This is Jordan's first connection and the public eye to mob guys. That's why. That was one of the reasons why they were like, hey, this guy, what's going on with you? That's crazy. And that's without counting in like the idea of like him missing that. Well, basically missing that Knicks game. Like he didn't, but he didn't really sleep during it at all. Because like New York's traffic's terrible. Was Jordan just a. Uh... Just a gambler, like that was his vice. He didn't like. He wasn't like a drug guy. Yeah, he was a gambler, drinker. Yeah, he didn't do okay. drugs, but it was gambling and drinking and women. But uh, yeah. So that was the first one. He gets caught. They the police do a raid of this guy's house, who owned a golf and he was a drug mule, and that's when they found that check. And they're like, "What the fuck? Does, how does he know Michael Jordan?" Which Jordan was known to gamble on golf, but that's just strike one. Let's get into strike two. The second comes later surrounding the murder of Eddie Dow, who was known to put up cash for criminals to get out of jail. Dow was later murdered by three men in the carport of his heavily secured backwoods home. The killers pried open a briefcase that Dow was known to carry, which had an estimated $20,000 inside, along with papers and documents that they got rid of. They then threw it in the woods. In that briefcase in Carolina were three checks totaling $108,000, written by whom, you might ask? The answer to that question is Michael Jeffrey Jordan. This was shown to cover more gambling losses, so by this point it's kind of clear that Mike has some kind of relationship with shady mob guys. But if that was not enough, we can slide on to situation number three. This comes from a book by Richard Equinus titled Michael and Me, Our Gambling Addiction my cry for help. In the book, Richard details numerous gambling debts that Jordan owed, one being for as much as $1.252 million in golf gambling to a San Diego businessman before settling for 300000 after negotiation. He said that he and Jordan wagered hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes more than $1 million over their four years of knowing each other. McQuinnis even says that at one point Mike owed him $902,000 which he was unable to pay immediately so Mike dodged him for a while since he did not want his wife to know how bad his addiction was and she had access to his personal financial ledger so he tried to keep it a secret. 
They talked it down to 300000 with the payment plan, and he only took it because he wanted to get away from Mike Jordan. And he was also afraid that Jordan would never pay. The reason they did a payment plan was because that was the only way he could keep it a secret from his wife, who would notice when this huge amount was taken. So this is showing that leading up to his father's death, Michael was in some deep, deep waters. So yeah, Mike was gambling. Well, here's the strange thing to me is like, why did they have all these checks that were un uncashed? Uh, the first one I think is probably like a situation where maybe it was just bad luck. Bueller was probably like about to go cash it, but he just didn't have enough time. The one where the guy died, I don't know why he just kept those three checks. Maybe it was like to hold it against Mike. That's my only thought system, mm. but like still like the guy got murdered anyway later on. You know, it was just crazy to be like, say you're a police officer searching like the house and you find three checks from Michael Jordan. You're like, nah, get the fuck. Mike who? Right. Mike who? And yeah, this, this gotta, this be, gotta a be a different Mike guy. Jordan. And then like to find out it's that Michael Jordan. And then the third one is just funny because like not only did the dude write a book about it, but the fact that he said, I did it to get away from Michael Jordan. I needed to get away from him. He was he was a gambler. <laughs> He caught. He made me crazy. He owed me nine hundred two thousand dollars, but I just wanted three so I can get away. And then his wife. This just created too that like his wife. He would do it so she wouldn't know. Like it's just a little ten thousand. So she like, we were just giving him five, five at a time. So when they do these investigations, they determine that Michael Jordan is, has a connection to these people, but they don't find that he's like criminally connected no like, they he's not like charged with anything no, he, or anything so like he that. retires so basically when he retired the investigation was kind of like well what's the point of doing this like he's retired now so they kind of like were like well we found nothing and mike he leaves the game and he doesn't have to deal with that, but he did have to deal with like the uh, public stuff. So he had to go to court cases and stuff like that. So his name was kind of in the mud for a little while. So that's another reason why people think he went to go do baseball because it kind of moved the the eyes from the gambling shit over to the like baseball stuff. And it was hard that to like really sense. blame him when it comes to like the gambling aspect or his sports because like he still won three championships in a row. So it was like you couldn't really like hold him to the coals when it comes to like was he throwing games? We don't know. But uh there's this one mob guy, uh, Michael Francis. Uh he formerly was in the mob, but now he's like a public speaker in a way. Like he doesn't talk about mob shit, but he talks about like just his life in the mob. Cause he, you know, doesn't want to get whacked. And uh he says like he's he knew of Jordan's gambling addiction from like other guys like he met jordan one time but he uh said that most of the things he heard about was through mike and stuff and they actually the nba actually had him come in and speak to the players about like gambling problems because he said like this is at the point where like gambling was getting out of hand in the sport and uh more i mean if he only was around now he'd be like damn this is legal now but uh and looking at it uh, he says that, yeah, he heard about Mike's gambling problems. But a small thing, too, for people who don't know who Michael Franzese is, he's mentioned in the movie Goodfellas. 
I don't know why, but when you do the when they wow. do the walk-in scene, the, one of the people is playing him in the movie because he tells a story where he went with his girlfriend, who didn't know what he did for a living, to go see Goodfellas. Cause he's like, he told he worked in construction, so he like gets there, and they're watching the movie, and then it gets to the scene where it's like Michael Francis under, and he's like, we gotta go. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's crazy. Martin Scorsese yeah, snitched yeah, on so that's how he was known by them. But that was back when like the the mob had a huge tie and like everything. So So what year was what year did his dad get killed in? And then what year did all these other like the Eddie Dow what what year did that happen? Uh, I think ninety two heading into ninety three. So this is all okay. in 93. Like, because the investigation okay, gotcha. starts in 93. So all of it's happening a little bit before 93 happened. So around 92, when they started to pick up shit, and that's when the NBA was like, what is going on? So everything happened to him in 93. 93 is a crazy year. He wins a championship, investigation, dad dies, goes to baseball, comes back in 95. And Jordan has yes. has kids or yeah. no? Wow, I know that he was like trying to hide stuff, but like so much of this stuff was had to have been it was. so public it was. at the time. Like, even if you don't know that he's connected, you know that Mike's mm-hmm. got a gambling problem. And I mean, how do you cover up that? I mean, at least from your wife, the criminal attachments. Like, I don't know. How did they oh, have they, a good relationship? They got divorced later on. Out? She. Oh, okay. <laughs> prior to I think uh, prior to Jeff Bezos' wife, she was the known as the one who got the most from a divorce in history. I think when her and Mike broke up, I I swear she took like sixty. Like this is back before. Like she took oh my god half. Like she took a lot of money from Mike, which is why he didn't get married again for a long time, until recently. Yeah, where he's married to. You know, one of y'all. But, uh, so, like, <laughs> Mike, he he only hit it for so long, and then she found out, and it was over. Now let's get into the strange part of James Jordan's death, according to theorists. It starts in 1998, where Daniel Green explains his side of the shooting for the first time ever. Green says he didn't kill James, and he even goes as far as to say that he wasn't even there when the murder occurred. When asked if he was mad at Demery for blaming him for the murder, he actually says that, and I quote, I feel that the both of us are pawns in a game. Of course, I'm upset for the way he did it. Now, Green does admit to taking the body to the swamp and disposing of it, but he was not there for the murder. He might actually have a tiny bit of proof. Back in 2016, it was revealed that the state crime lab that had examined the evidence that got the two left up was revealed to have been omitting, overstating, or falsely reporting information about blood evidence in 190 cases from 1987 to 2003 that ended in convictions following an outside audit. One of these cases was the death of James Jordan. But wait, there's more. Green's attorneys claimed that one of the phone calls that Demery placed on James Jordan's cell was to the son of then-Sheriff Hubert Stone, a friend of the lead investigator and one of Demery's co-workers who was now a convicted drug trafficker. This was never investigated by anyone during the court case of James Jordan. So this leads everyone to believe that Jordan owed money to the Mafia, 
and they used the two men to take out his dad with a debt. So what do you think, Tom? I don't know. I think, like, I would think, okay, that if he really did have a bunch of debts or whatever, like, there's a lot more that they could use to leverage before they kill his dad. Like, he's one of the most famous people in America at this Mm -hmm. point. Like, I would feel like just basic regular blackmail where you're like, we'll break your knees or something like that. Like, that's got to be enough of a threat to be like, we're going to kill your dad. I don't know. that It feels like an extreme reaction. Maybe there was an escalation that's just, like, not present in the story. But that just seems like so like such a big leap. So what do you think about do? the whole thing about the blood situation, like the uh, examination? I don't know. What what do you think? Well, personally, I do think it is weird that uh, Deborah called the son of the sheriff, which is like, hmm. and I also think it's weird that there was the friend of the lead investigator and his co-worker. And I do find it weird that he's a drug trafficker now. But I don't think that it was because of Jordan that he called. I think he called him because, like, something... They killed his dad, and it was, like, a panic situation. But it didn't help them in the end of the day do anything when it comes to that, which is why I don't think I 100% believe that. I think Green is now just attempting to do whatever he can to make it seem like he didn't do the murder. Because him saying that he wasn't there, it's like, come on. Well, I buy all that, too. And I also think, like, okay, you weren't, even if I concede the point that you weren't there when the murder happened, you still disposed of his body and did all that other stuff afterwards. So it doesn't really matter to me. Like, you knew what happened. And it was, like, the fact that the phone call doesn't even make sense to me. That you, like, go, like, I'll call him and I'm like, hey, Tom, I need you to help me dispose of a body. You're going to be like, whoa. Like, you're going to go, like, I don't know about that. Oh, and then no. you're like, I'm it's cool. Michael Jordan's dad. I'm like, absolutely not. As soon as I roll up and see the rings, exactly. I'm out. You're on your yeah, own. Yeah, like that doesn't make sense. And then it's like, it's not like Michael Jordan's dad wasn't known. Like he was at every game. Like they would show it. It's kind of like John Moran's dad yeah. now. But he's not annoying about <laughs> it. Like he was just a dad okay. there. I was going to ask if so, he was like a John Morant dad or if he was like actually kind of a good guy. No. He was a good guy when it came to being like a parent. Like he was there at the games, just you know, going crazy for his son. But it just it was weird that the mob would go through all these levels to show something. Like usually, the mob does do like they cut his tires, you know, cut his brakes. They usually would kill him. But even then, they probably thought if you you couldn't touch Jordan in a way, like you couldn't kill him, you couldn't like kill his dad or something. Like you couldn't do something. I would also think that everything that happened afterwards is just, like, way too sloppy for the mob to be involved. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that just goes to, for me, I wouldn't even say, I think that where that part comes in, like, all the, like, the messed up reports is, I think they were in panic mode because they had to solve the crime. And I think that's why they, they tried to make up for burning his body. Like, I think they wanted to make up for it. And, like, first off, also, that place is getting to do an autopsy on Jordan's dad. Like, that's crazy. Like, they're probably like, what? So they're definitely overstating it. Or plus, they just want to hit, like, they want to continue to have that contract given to them. So if the court, if the cops come to you and say, we know these guys did it. We just need the blood thing to say that these guys did it. I can see them going, 
these guys did it. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, it makes more sense. I don't think that it was like a cover up. I think it was more of a let's get this open and shut quickly so we don't look I bad. Think I, I agree with that. I think I could see that. Yeah. And uh, it goes on later. Like, I'll explain now because it's stupid. Now, I'm sorry to ruin a conspiracy, but years later, Ron Sheldon, who created the 30 for 30 documentary, Jordan Rides the Bus, that covers his baseball years, says that during that time, reporters all over the country looked into the case in order to find a connection, because it would have been the biggest sports scandal in history. And they found nothing on the murder or on the alleged suspension given to Michael that was hidden under the cover of his first retirement. Also, in the many decades since it happened, no one has still found anything to give even a little bit of truth to the story. In conclusion, a family lost a father, and a son lost a best friend, but James Jordan was a man with faults and allegations from his own daughter that I will not dive into. In the end, the man died, and many lives were ruined. So, like he says, if, this is why I don't believe it's true, specifically. Picture this world, right? Like today. But like remove the remove phone, like the, you know, Twitter and stuff like that. Just say we're in the old world. We have newspapers and all that. And today's world, I'm trying to pick like who do you, the most popular person in the world probably would be like a Lionel Messi or some shit, right? Picture like Messi's dad gets killed. And Messi had a gambling addiction and he was the reason why his dad get killed. That shit would be on every newspaper in France, Germany, Af- Afghanistan, they probably get that shit. Osama would have had it like, what? Like, it would have been crazy. Like, that shit would have been all over the world. If Michael Jordan did this, this would have been the biggest story in the history of sports. Like, nothing would have came close to this. There's no story that happened in sports that would have came even a tiny bit close to we found out that Michael Jordan's gambling addiction was so bad his dad got killed. You know, in that same vein, if that if that happened to Messi, if you just take all the roles and reverse it, uh, or switch it over to him, if Lionel Messi has a terrible gambling addiction, he has like there's been some weird stuff where his name has been connected to some weird bad dudes. Yeah. And then his dad dies, you'd be like everyone immediately the wheels are turning and everyone's like could they be connected and i'm now going to come up with some of the most yeah. convoluted conspiracy theories to justify oh yeah that yes they did yeah they are connected yep yep like it'd be like straight up like picturing it with like even like a tom Brady. like it'd be like oh shit like everybody would be connecting dots that didn't even exist mike one time went to a mcdonald's that another mobster also went to maybe they talked there like it would be like the most craziest shit and it just makes absolutely no sense. And it's the most fucking, to me, the most asinine theory. But, like, that period is just so crazy that I understand why people would make a theory for that time period. Because that, that's a lot of shit to happen in, like, a 93 to 94. Yeah. Like, that's insane amount of shit to happen in a, literally a two-year span. So- Your dad dies. You retire from the league. You go to play baseball. You get caught up by several mob situations, like all that shit, and you still was busting Charles Barkley ass <laughs> on a Saturday. Like that to me is crazy. 
That's why I don't think it's ever discussed. And it's something that probably couldn't happen today because, like, you know, people, first off, it would have been way worse for him. Shit, they would have been like, Mike did it. Mm-hmm. And it would have been a whole small amount or half of Twitter would have just been like, he did that shit. And Adam said, it would have been be like, after the finals, we have a big announcement to make. We have a big announcement. Michael George suspended for five games. It would have been five. Like, picture LeBron did it. He'd be like, LeBron James is suspended for three days. Right. <laughs> over the summer. Like, it would have been. He can't play in the summer league been, even if he wants to. Yeah, even if he wants. No leagues, no Drew League, no none of that. He can't leave his house. That is it. No Taco Tuesdays. <laughs> no nothing. Yeah, it, it just. For me, it was one of those situations where I just think it's stupid. It makes no sense. I hate to shit on conspiracy theories because people get upset and leave voicemails. <laughs> but I am going to shit. So, does Mike, Bye. like, all this stuff is swirling, and he's just like, wow, my yeah. PR has never been worse. People are asking all these mm-hmm. ridiculous questions. Time to do Space Jam. Yeah. No, literally, that's a big reason why he did Space Jam, too. Like, he does Space Jam. That's another reason why he came back and he changed the number of 45, because he was saying, like, this is a different bike. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. Like, that's a huge, you're in a kid's movie with the Looney Tunes. That really doesn't get a lot yeah. more, I guess, wholesome or, like, narrative shifting than that. At that time period, yes. That time period of the Looney Tunes, yes. If we were talking about the 50 right. Looney Tunes, no, I'd be like, ah, not too right. wholesome. There's a reason Whoopi Goldberg comes out before those videos. <laughs> it goes, this is a product of its time. But yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. It was, it's good. Like, uh, shout out to Michael Jordan. And sorry your dad died. But, uh, yeah. The, yeah, the, uh, he did, it's only ironic though, because he said the 45 number was a different him, only for him to go back to 23. So like 23 is like him being like, I'm back on my bullshit. <laughs> I'm back on taking deals, dog. If you want to shoot some dice, I'm in. Like that's how I'm gonna envision it. He like but, comes out in the court yeah. with twenty three, and he's just like winking. Yep, yep. That's literally what it was. There's a Jordan doc. I mean, there's a Jordan biopic. Believe it or not, there's a Michael Jordan biopic where they get a no name ball guy to play Michael Jordan. <laughs> Do they really? During this time period, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah it is fucking terrible it's not the worst biopic the michael jackson one starring flex alexander is the worst i've never even heard of that one man in the Love mirror that. if you ever want to watch it speaking of crazy conspiracy theories that's a whole other episode right there oh michael jackson yeah george michael jackson has his life his death plenty. everything in between oh yeah his life his death and if we're gonna say a hot take before i end this out I'm going to say it. I'm going to say this hot take. I had to get, uh, uh, I had to do a surgery on my eye like a few years back, like two years ago. During the surgery, they gave me propofol. I get it. <laughs> That's all I had to say. I get it, Mike. <laughs> I understand. Because that shit was good. Like, you can't even, next thing you know, you sleep. Like, you can literally, I could be having a conversation with you and then I'm like, right. <laughs> That shit is fucking incredible. I get it. 
<laughs> I get it. Oh, man. Fuck Conrad Murray. Do not do propofol, kids, unless you have a surgery. Right. I am not endorsing propofol. <laughs> Even though that might have sounded like an endorsement, it is not an endorsement. Right. Stay away. Propofol. I know they hope I fall. I always wanted to say that on a, on a podcast. Shout out to me. <laughs> this is the end of this week's episode of Conspiracy Club. Follow us on Instagram at Tom and Emir. And always remember, we love all of you and be safe. This Conspiracy Club is a joint fight. Adjourned. Adjourned. I'm going to leave that in. Fuck it. Bye, Peace. Everybody.